my name is Amir, and thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoy this second episode of a three-part series where we talk about the history of the Spanish and English languages. A few of the facts discussed in our initial episode will be utilized in context to help explain what we'll be teaching you today. And with that, let's get started. Honestly, when most people think of grammar, they don't get very excited. But grammar can teach you something in minutes that may take days to learn by immersion alone. And in today's episode, we will talk about the history of Spanish grammar. Grammatical theory has evolved through the use and division of human populations. The rules on the use of language were studied, especially with the advent of writing. The first systemic grammars emerged during the Iron Age on the Indian subcontinent with Iasca, circa 6th century BCE, Banini, circa 4th century BCE, and their commentators, Pingala, circa 200 BCE, Katyayan, and Patanjali, circa 1st century BCE. The oldest known grammar is Ashtadiyai, a study of Sanskrit written by Banini around 480 BCE. Many Latin American countries including Mexico, Peru, Argentina, etc., follow the same grammatical rules differing in their idioms. The Spanish of the Criollos, native Spanish speakers born in America, was, by the end of the 17th century, its own version of Peninsular Spanish. This Creole Spanish had developed on the basis of Southern Andalusian phonetics, with ceseo, the lack of distinction between S and TH, and the fall of the final consonants, as in usted instead of usted, the inclusion of indigenous words such as maíz, mani, hurricane, and chocolate, and, and the civilian syntax, which incorporated the use of two informal plural for you to the detriment of two formal plural for you. Faced with this new transcontinental linguistic reality, the Royal Spanish Academy was founded in 1713 to quote-unquote cultivate and solidify in any possible way the purity and elegance of the Castilian language. Through the creation of a dictionary, the most copious that could be created. For more than a century, American Spanish had a submissive place to Peninsular Spanish, that is, until 1847. That year, the Venezuelan scholar Andres Bello wrote his grammar of the Castilian language intended for the use of Americans. Understanding that, quote-unquote, each language has its genius, its physiognomy, its twist. Bello took on this task of describing, based on observations, the innovative identity of American Spanish. He also went on to say, quote-unquote, I did not want to rely on authorities because, for me, the only unimpeachable language is language itself. Continuing on to say, quote-unquote, the prodigious advancement of all science and art, the spread of, of intellectual culture, and the political revolutions of our time call every day for new signs that express new ideas. Going on to say, quote-unquote, the greatest of all evils and the one that, if it is left unchecked, will deny us of the priceless advantages of a common language is that of new structures. It already floods and muddies much of what is written in America. Liberties of construction alter the structure of the language, turning it into a multitude of irregular, licentious, and barbarian dialects. As embryos of future languages, the belabored transformation of these language links would replicate in America the dark era of the corruption of Latin, as happened in Europe. Chile, Peru, Buenos Aires, and Mexico would each speak their own language, or, or rather several languages, as happens in Spain, Italy, and France. 
in pursuit of the unity of language and more specifically of the homogenization of syntax, Bello used as his model the Spanish of quote-unquote educated peoples. These speakers who, because they had access to formal education, shared a mutually comprehensible language even when they lived in very distant regions. He shared this rationale in the preface to his grammar, saying, quote-unquote, this use is preferred because it is the most uniform in the various provinces and towns that speak the same language, and therefore the one that makes what is said easier and more often understood. In contrast, the words and phrases of uneducated people vary greatly from one town and province to another, and are not easily understood outside that narrow environment in which they were born. In the late 19th century, awareness about American Spanish led to the creation of national language academies in the New World. The first one to be founded was the Columbia Language Academy in 1871. Today, there are 22 national academies. In Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cuba, Ecuador, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, Paraguay, Peru, the Philippines, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Spain, the United States, Uruguay, and Venezuela. These 22 academies collaborate in the Association of Spanish Language Academies, ASALE, which was founded in 1951 at the behest of the then-president of Mexico, Miguel Aleman Valdez, in order to work towards the unity of language as cultural heritage. Did you know that Spanish is one of the most spoken languages in the world? With around 580 million speakers, it is only second to Mandarin Chinese as a mother tongue. And Mandarin Chinese might be better defined as a set of mutually intelligible dialects. English is the most spoken language as a second or foreign language. Spanish is also one of the six official languages of the United Nations and one of the most studied as a foreign language. Spanish is the official language in 20 countries in the Americas, one in Europe, and two in Africa. By declaration or adoption in governmental institutions, as in the case of Argentina. Spanish is also the official language in the African nations of Equatorial Guinea and the Sawari Arab Democratic Republic, and is also spoken in Cameroon, Nigeria, Gabon, Morocco, Angola, Turkey, Israel, Philippines, Brazil, and several islands in Oceania. Before I conclude this language journey that we've just taken together today, I would like to comment that it is popular in some circles to claim that there is no need to learn grammar. And, and the thinking goes a little something like this. I didn't learn grammar as a child, and yet I still learned to speak. Therefore, I do not need to study grammar as an adult. This sort of thinking ignores the fact that as an adult, you will have developed a higher mental capacity and that learning some grammar, even just the basics, is going to be of a big help to you as you continue to learn and understand more about your own mother tongue. Once again, my name is Amir, and thank you so much for listening today. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, and in order not to miss Chamberlain content, don't forget to like and subscribe.